look, here's the truth. Being uh, the U.S. memory champion is very cool in certain respects. But suddenly, like, I have opened up this Pandora's box of, of, of ways to be a schmuck. Because, <laughs> like, yeah, I still forget just as much as everybody if I'm not using these techniques. Only now I'm the U.S. memory champion. And if I don't remember somebody's name, it's, like, <laughs> such an insult. You're listening to How To. I'm Charles Duhigg. In class, today, we're starting off with a pop quiz, a little memory test. So let me let me ask you a couple of questions. What's your mom's phone number? 727-360-25. I can't remember the last two numbers. <laughs> okay, but not bad, not bad. Who was president before Jimmy Carter? Oh, no. I'm not going to know that. Did, did you ever know that? or is that I don't know that, if like, I ever know? knew that. I'm, so okay, that's, that's embarrassing that's because like, I am a political it, science major. It was Gerald Ford. Uh, yeah. Let me, let me ask you this. What did you do last Wednesday night? Last Wednesday night. Hmm. I don't know. This is Jessica from St. Petersburg, Florida. And right now she's flunking this quiz because Jessica has a really hard time remembering things. I mean, I don't know if it's technology um, and the amount of information that we get on a daily basis or if I'm not remembering correctly, but I'll repeat stories to friends like when we're driving past a landmark, I'll be like, oh, that's my old neighborhood. They're like, yeah, I know. We've You've told me about 10 <laughs> times. <laughs> and is is there an example of how this has affected, you know, your your life at work? Um. So we have a board meeting coming up at the end of this week, and we had to answer a questionnaire on that with our vision statement, and I don't know it. I can't retain it. I've stared at it a few times. I cannot remember what our vision statement is. So that's a little embarrassing and especially something that I don't want our board to maybe know, but... um, (laughs) Jessica does communications and marketing for the Tampa Bay Beaches Chamber of Commerce. So it's tampabaybeaches.com. Oh, yeah. I see it right here. I wrote I see that. it right here. Okay. <laughs> Wait, you you actually wrote this on the website? Like yes. you're the one who like put it into the website? Yes. That's why I know exactly where it is on the website. <laughs> <laughs> but Jessica is really struggling to memorize it, even though it's only 24 words long. Which, let's face it, it's not all that unusual to have trouble remembering something, right? Do you remember the name of that person that you met at the party last weekend? Or, in my case, your mother's birthday? Sorry, Mom. I forgot one of my best friend's birthdays last year. And it's because... I know! And I ended up sending her, like, this grand present a month later, like, a big apology. But I'm sure that hurt. (laughs) Okay, so here's one more question. Okay. Describe to me your childhood home. Like if I was walking through your childhood home, take me on a little tour of all the rooms I would walk through. So I lived in a condo community. So when you enter the front door, to your left is your kitchen. To the right is the laundry room, a bedroom. And it's been 10 years since Jessica lived in that house, but, but she could describe the layout of her childhood home no problem. I could picture it, yes. 
And this is great. This is great because this is exactly the advice that we got about how to help you remember. Because we actually reached out to this expert named Josh Foer. And he talked to a bunch of memory experts um, because he was writing a book called Moonwalking with Einstein. It's a long title. I can't even remember the full title. (laughs) But it's all about how he became a U.S. memory champion. The full name of that book, once I remembered it, was Moonwalking with Einstein, The Art and Science of Remembering Everything. And in it, Josh discovered a few simple memory tricks, some of them going back to ancient Greece, that we can use now to train our brains. And on today's episode, this former memory champ will take us all to school, right after this quick recess. Don't forget to come back. This episode is brought to you by Choiceology, an original podcast from Charles Schwab. Hosted by Katie Milkman, an award-winning behavioral scientist and author of the best-selling book, How to Change, Choiceology is a show about the psychology and economics behind our decisions. Hear true stories from Nobel laureates, authors, athletes, and everyday people about why we do the things we do. Listen to Choiceology at schwab.com slash podcast or wherever you listen. This episode is brought to you by Defender. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with thoroughly modern design. The exterior is reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, and the interior is built with robust materials and integrity. The Defender capability is legendary, whether you're facing off road challenges or harsh weather conditions. Built for the modern explorer, the Defender 110 lets you go further and do more. And cargo capacity means more room for your gear. To drive the Defender is to explore with greater confidence. Powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system keep you connected. Innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering. Ready for a wide range of adventures, the Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. A vehicle made to go further, the Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. Reboot your credit card with Apple Card, the only credit card designed for iPhone. It gives you up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase. Plus, Apple Card has no fees, not even hidden ones. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Variable APRs for Apple Card range from 19.24% to 29.49% based on credit worthiness. Rates as of February 1st, 2024. Terms and more at AppleCard.com. We're back with Joshua Foer. Josh is an accomplished journalist, co-founder of Atlas Obscura, and improbably one of the world's foremost experts on memory. Uh, my whole deep dive into the world of memory began with a magazine assignment from Slate. Uh, a number of years ago now, they sent me to go cover this wacky-sounding contest called the United States Memory Championship. The USA Memory Championship happens every year. Uh, one of the events is how fast you can memorize a pack of playing cards that's been shuffled. There is another event where you're memorizing random numbers, the names of dozens and dozens of strangers. There's an event where you memorize a list of random words. 
Josh figured he'd meet a bunch of brainiacs or savants with superhuman memories. Instead, he discovered that every person who competed in this contest told me that they all had just quote-unquote average memories and that rather than having some, you know, magnificent innate gift, they'd all trained themselves using a set of ancient techniques to perform a, some utterly miraculous feats of memory, the likes of which I had certainly never seen before. After writing about the contests, Josh decided that he wanted to compete. And so his first step was to seek out the tutelage of a world memory champ. Ed Cook, Mayota, yes. He was um, one of the best mental athletes in all of Europe. And he ended up taking me under his wing and telling me that, you know, anybody can learn to do this, even you, and, and, and spent the better part of a year teaching me all of the techniques that he had used in a memory contest. And when you first met him that first day, did, did you believe him? Like, did you think that this was something you could actually learn to do? I was, it sounds insane to me. I was highly skeptical until he took me and taught me the techniques, which are not that hard to learn, and then tested me. And I was amazed because suddenly I went from being, you know, this average Joe Schmo who routinely forgot why I opened the refrigerator door to being able to memorize really long lists of information that would have seemed utterly random and impossible to memorize they're very effective. And this brings us to our first rule, which involves an old-school technique called building a memory palace. Constructing a memory palace used to be something that, a few hundred years ago, nearly everyone knew how to do. Because paper was scarce and information was mostly delivered orally. And so everyone had to remember lots and lots of things every day. So a memory palace is a building that exists only in your imagination. If you are given a long list of information that you have to remember, you would visualize each of the items on that list of information in a different room of your house and walk through your house and try and picture those things in those rooms. And you try and picture them with as much color, as much humor, as much emotional resonance as you can possibly sort of shove into them. Then when it comes time to recall that information, you would just walk back through that house in your mind's eye, and you would find that because you had created visual images and attached them to a space, they're actually still there in your mind's eye, and they're sticky. But what's interesting about this, and the reason that it captivated me, is that you're not actually training your memory. What you're training is your ability to create wild, funny, weird, strange, uh, in some cases raunchy, images as quickly as you can in your mind's eye. And if you do that, like your memory takes care of itself. So, okay, so so if I was trying to do this, let's say I had a shopping list. I want to remember the shopping list. The first item on my shopping list is I need to get milk because my kids always want milk. So I'm going to put milk right in front of the door of my house. I'm picturing it yeah, in except, front of the door Okay, of but hold on for a second because what you want to do is make a really memorable image of milk. You want to picture, like, somebody pouring milk over your head. And okay. imagine what that would feel like, the cold dairy dripping down your body, what it would smell like as the milk was being poured over your head. The more color you can put into that image, the more associations you can make there, the more likely it is you'll be able to pull that memory back out and, and have it tied to, um, to your front door. Okay, so I'm standing in front of my door. In my head, I'm standing in front of my door. Mm -hmm. There is someone pouring milk over my head. It's cold, and 
And I feel terrible because because apparently I did something wrong <laughs> to cause those people to pour milk over my head. And it's and there's like a puddle forming on the ground in front of me and the puddle's getting in the mat. And like I hate that because I always have to wash the mat and it makes me crazy. You're going to remember this right? for the rest of your life. I guess so. <laughs> when our mind can see something that novel and strange and weird, it makes an impression. And And by the way, what's interesting is like this goes back 2,000 plus years to some of the earliest memory treatises written in classical Latin. They talk about this, like, make your images weird. That's what will make them memorable. I, I completely uh, ruined my subconscious for the, <laughs> for the sake of this, this memory competition by envisioning, you know, my, my, poor, my poor booby, uh, my grandmother, you know, having to be in all sorts of crazy positions. Um, <laughs> but this also goes back to the ancients. They said, like, hey, if you want to make something memorable, make it sexy, make it raunchy, make it lewd, make it unforgettable. Coming up, we'll see if we can teach Jessica how to build a memory palace of her own with a room for every word of her company's vision statement and hopefully without involving her grandmother doing unmentionable things. That's all after this quick break. This episode is brought to you by Choiceology, an original podcast from Charles Schwab. Choiceology is a show all about the psychology and economics behind our decisions. Each episode shares the latest research in behavioral science and dives into themes like, can we learn to make smarter decisions and the power of do-overs? The show is hosted by Katie Milkman. She's an award-winning behavioral scientist, professor at the Wharton School, and author of the best-selling book, How to Change. In each episode, Katie talks to authors, historians, athletes, Nobel laureates, and everyday people about why we make irrational choices and how we can make better ones to avoid costly mistakes. Listen and subscribe at schwab.com slash podcast, or find it wherever you listen. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. I'm here with memory expert Josh Foer and our listener Jessica, who needs to remember her company's vision statement before an upcoming board meeting. The statement is only 24 words long, but it's super forgettable. And I'm actually just going to read it. Okay. The, the Tampa Bay Beaches Chamber of Commerce is a proactive business advocate, recognized as the preeminent business organization in our region for sustaining economic viability. So it doesn't really roll off the tongue, but, <laughs> but I, it should be something that you can memorize. Right. Okay. So so you'll remember the Tampa Bay Beaches Chamber of Commerce. That's where you work, right? Yes, yes. So what we need to remember is, is a proactive business advocate. What does that make you think of, proactive? Um, I know this is not what proactive means, but this is what I think of. Like a person like jumping into the air with both okay. hands and feet out. I don't know why I'm thinking of that, but that is what I No, think. that's great. That's great. That seems pretty proactive. And the next word is business. I just automatically assume handshake. Okay. And then advocate. 
I want it to be something that I'll remember and not just like, well, actually, Doug in our office is the advocacy <laughs> person. So what if it was Doug? What if when you walk up to the to your front door in your mind's eye, in your in your memory palace, mm-hmm. you see Doug jumping up in the air <laughs> and he's like trying to shake your hand. Yes. Would that help you remember proactive business advocate? It might. I think that might help actually. And so next, Jessica and I walked through the rest of her house. And as we entered each room, we added more and more words attached to weird images. Yes. What if there's a preemie baby right in front of the mirror? Like some little baby in like like a... (laughs) And finally, we arrived in the kitchen. When I say sustainable, what comes to mind? Like solar power. So what if the, what if you visualized a solar panel right in the middle of your kitchen? Okay. What's going to make you think of economic next? Something with money. What's going to make you remember the word viability? <sighs> we might need to break the word down. There's what about not... Viagra? <laughs> okay. You walk in your kitchen. There's a solar panel in the middle of your kitchen with a pile of cash money on top of it. Okay. And some old dude sitting <laughs> naked on top of the cash, and he's about to take a little blue pill. Okay. I might he might have pants on in my vision. Okay. But sure. Okay, maybe he has pants. He has pants on. <laughs> and what what phrase does that make you remember? Sustainable economic viability. Yeah, that's pretty good. Okay. So the the next rule that Josh talks about is he says, you know, like if you meet someone and you're trying to remember their name, an an easy way to do that is to take something about their name and to try and like just think of some crazy detail that's associated with it. Like like uh, there's a guy I met a number of years ago named Mike Handy. Okay. And like when I met him and he said, hey, my name is Mike Handy, I imagined him having these like huge, huge hands, mm-hmm. right? I've never forgotten Mike Handy's last name because in my memory, Mike's standing there with like these like enormous oversized like Smurf hands in front of me. <laughs> that's another rule. Even outside of the memory palace, you should come up with these wacky associations for anything you need to remember, like like giant Smurf hands. The weirder and more raunchy sometimes, the better. Once you've perfected these salacious mental images, there's Josh's next rule. Pay attention. Samuel Johnson said the art of memory is the art of paying attention. And that's something that I have found again and again to be true, which is like, It is very hard to remember something when you're doing three things at once. And it's very hard to remember something if you are not paying attention to it. Okay, so 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 the first couple of times you're doing this, maybe even the first couple of weeks or months, it's fun and it's novel, but at some point it's gotta get boring. How do you get yourself to still pay attention? I mean, do you play golf? No. I mean, golf is insanely boring, right? Like, (laughs) from one perspective, it's insanely boring. And what ends up happening is, like, you want to beat the next guy and beat yourself. And that competitive instinct, I think, once I sort of conquered my curiosity about whether this stuff worked, I wanted to conquer my own sort of uh, sense of how good I could possibly get at this. And, And that competitive instinct took over, and then I really got fired up. Here's the next rule. Think of your memory like a muscle that you have to train on a regular basis and and make that training into a competition. What if you were to tap into that competitive instinct and start saying, like, each day, I want to be able to remember one more thing that I remembered yesterday, 
And each day I want to have an extra 30 seconds based on the previous day of just focused contemplation where I'm not allowing myself to be distracted by the radio or playing music or playing podcasts or looking on my Instagram or doing anything. Mm-hmm. I'm going to build up my muscle for for focus and for attention. Okay. Do you think that would appeal to you to try and get better and better at it? Yes, I do. The struggle for Jessica is that a daily practice like this, where, where she's exercising and strengthening her memory, it can be pretty boring. I don't like to be bored. Yeah. Yeah. So if you find yourself doing something kind of at work that that's a little bit boring, what's your instinct? I mean, first instinct is go check your phone, right? Well, and it's an interesting question because because it's a natural thing, right? We all get bored at some point. We all we all fall into these habits to try and cure ourselves of boredom. But I I think there's two things you could do. The first is, the more we practice being bored, the better we get at existing with boredom, and like mm-hmm. existing with boredom. That's a really important skill. It's a skill that is actually hard to learn now because we have these phones in our pocket, because the internet is just one click away. But what if you were to try and spend more time, just maybe even like five minutes a day, just letting yourself be bored so that you get more comfortable with it? I definitely could do five minutes a day for sure. I think you should practice that. Okay. I think learning to sit with stillness and letting your mind actually remember things it's a skill that you can learn. I think we are all crippled by how many screens and bells and um, potential incoming pieces of information we should be paying attention to. It's like if we were going to create a recipe for being forgetful people, this is this is how you would do it. You would just bombard yourself with lots of different things to pay attention to, and that's a recipe for forgetting. This is definitely not going to be helpful for Jessica, but at a certain point, every competitive memorizer who is uh, really making a go of it will wear a pair of earmuffs to block out any sound and a pair of goggles that have been completely masked over except for two little pinholes that you can see out of. And this is an absurd-looking costume, but it helps you concentrate and focus because there are no other auditory or visual stimuli entering your brain. Like, there's only one interesting thing, and it's the deck of playing cards in front of you that you have to try and memorize. So, um, you know, I wonder in in everyday life how you can kind of put on the some metaphorical earphones and metaphorical goggles and and really narrow your scope of 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 a vision to the task at hand. Yeah, they, I think that totally makes sense. And, and what's interesting about what you're saying with the earmuffs and the and the goggles is when I I found that when I'm in situations where the distractions are removed, it's not that I get bored. It's that whatever is in front of me, whatever I'm paying attention to, becomes more and more fascinating. Oh yeah, man! I've got a, a soft spot in my heart for boredom. I mean, <laughs> boredom is uh, when when really good things happen. Uh, when we think we're bored, that's when that's when our brains actually get to work and start noticing and start processing and uh, doing all the magical things that brains do. So, so let me ask you one other question, which is. If you were talking to Jessica right now, and and she reached out to us because she's not remembering her life. She said that, you know, her mom can tell her about details like an event like Jessica's 16th birthday party. But Jessica doesn't remember her 16th birthday party. Mm. And and it feels like kind of life is slipping through her fingers a little bit. And she's only 26. She she hasn't even entered the, uh, the senility that comes in your 30s. What would you tell her about how she should think about 
memory and how she should train herself. That is so depressing. And like, it just made me sort of aware of the fact her generation is the generation where like all of this stuff was suddenly available. All these, you know, amazing social media and uh, phones that can do everything. That said, this is not the first time in history there's been some new technology that has threatened to upend our understanding of human memory. And like 2,500 years ago-ish, Socrates was fretting about this new invention called writing and how it was going to destroy people's memories because they were going to start writing things down on papyrus at the time. And what's interesting is, like, I think we can pretty conclusively all agree that, like, Socrates was wrong because writing was great and writing made all kinds of amazing things possible, including our modern world that we live in today. But on the other hand, if you think about it for a second, I think Socrates might have also at the same time been kind of right. What Josh is talking about is the last rule for remembering. No matter what technology surrounds us, to have a better memory, we need to lead more memorable lives. I mean, I think we structure the narrative of our lives, which is just a, uh, you know, a string of memories, right? We structure that chronology based on kind of certain landmarks like we put their pins in that timeline that are trips that we took or incredible events that happened to us or things that we saw that changed us forever or a time we fell in love with somebody like the inflection points in that timeline are what give us our sense of time retrospectively and our feeling of having lived a long and full and rich life and so if you're not putting those pins in the timeline for whatever reason because you're not engaged with the work that you're doing or you are, you know, monotonously kind of falling into a routine where the same things are happening to you day after day after day and week after week, then life becomes this kind of like jello. And that suggests that like we need to spur ourselves to get off our butts and go like put ourselves in uncomfortable situations and travel if we can and so I guess the message for Jessica then is to like go out and get herself into some useful trouble and uh, <laughs> have an adventure or two and, and see where that leaves her. Honestly, I feel like maybe this year is a lot of pins for me. So in January, I got this new job. In July, we moved into the house. Like I do remember those meaningful things and I think I do pin them. Um, I, I still want to know who I met last Tuesday at the mixer, you know? Yeah. I kind of feel like the days are passing and I'm not remembering what's going on. And by trying to at least remember, you know, something memorable that happened one day, usually something does happen that's memorable, even if it's, you know, silly. And it's interesting, you know, so I have two kids and my wife does this all the time. She's really good about it. She she goes and she takes these pictures of us on vacations or just when we're doing something fun and she puts them together in these books like every six months. <laughs> and so as a result, we look at the pictures together and we're like, oh, remember that day? Remember that's the day we went to the zoo? She kind of does the same thing with pictures that you're talking about with these pins, but you can do it in your mind just as easily. Right. Do you remember the first time you met your boyfriend? Like before you guys started dating? Yes. Wait, it, why do you think you remember it? Because it was embarrassing. What do you mean? What happened? <laughs> so we were pulling onto an island on a boat um, at a sandbar. 
and one of my friends was with him and I thought it was one of our other friends. So I kept calling him our other friend's name. And then I walked across the island to meet them. And I'm like, hey, I said hi to you. And then the closer I got, I was like, that is not Dave. I don't know this person <laughs> at all. <laughs> so that's how I met him, by calling him somebody else's name the whole time. And th- what's great is like, you remember that not only because he ended up becoming a big part of your life, right? Mm-hmm. But but because this like emotional, embarrassing thing happened, <laughs> you couldn't help but put a pin in that memory. Right. But I think what Josh is saying is that we can choose each day to put a pin in something rather than just letting fate do it for us. Right. And just the act of deciding what to pay attention to, that makes it more memorable. I agree. I can see that for sure. Okay, so... Let's try the vision statement one more time. So we've built the memory palace. It's been, mm-hmm. what, 20, 30 minutes now? Okay. Yes. <laughs> so close your eyes, walk through the memory palace, and, and tell me the vision statement. Okay. The Tampa Bay Beaches Chamber of Commerce is the proactive business advocate recognized preeminently in the region for sustainable economic viability. That's amazing. That was it. That oh you got God. it. You got it. There's like a little, there's like a, one or two little tweets, what? but like, like you a- got the entire vision statement. <laughs> that is absolutely amazing. Oh my could God. You, could you see it in your, like as you yes. were, did you actually like see I yourself walking through I had to close my that? eyes. I walked through it. I saw it. That's pretty crazy. I got to be honest. If you asked me to memorize this vision statement, I couldn't do it in like an hour. It's like it's this long sentence of like gobbledygook. But you re- you memorize the entire thing by thinking of a preemie baby and some old dude popping Viagra and your colleague Doug jumping up and down. I don't know. Do you, does that feel? Does I mean, that feel like an accomplishment? Yeah, and I was really afraid to actually say the words because I feel like I couldn't remember them, but I could. Thank you to Jessica for playing along. And a big shout out to Josh Foer for his great advice. Make sure to look for his book, Moonwalking with Einstein, The Art and Science of Remembering Everything. And here's a quick update from Jessica, who sent us this voice memo. So we had our board meeting last Friday. And the presenter that was speaking to us said, if you're going to work or be involved in an organization, you should know what their vision is, um, even if it is wordy. Um, So I was proud to say that I knew it off the top of my head um, after our exercise. So here it is. The Tampa Bay Beaches Chamber of Commerce is a proactive business advocate recognized as the preeminent business organization in our region for sustainability and economic viability. Woo! Did you suddenly remember that you have a problem that needs solving? If so, send us a note at howtoitslate.com and we might be able to help. And finally, please subscribe for free and give us a rating and a review wherever you listen to podcasts. More people will find the show that way, which means we can help more people. You know, it's a good thing. How To's executive producer is Derek John. Rachel Allen is our production assistant, and Merritt Jacob is our engineer. 
Our theme music is by Hannes Brown. June Thomas is the senior managing producer of Slate Podcasts, and Gabriel Roth is Slate's editorial director for audio. Special thanks to Sung Park, Asha Saluja, and Layla Oweda. I'm Charles Duhigg. Thanks for listening. <laughs>